0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. I was saying to uh, my boys, they asked me, uh, Dad, you haven't done this for a long time. Are you nervous? I was like, yes. And uh, River said, Uh, Why? I said, I'm not sure if I remember how to do it. I've been talking to a screen for so long, I wasn't sure how I was even going to sort of find my way up here and uh, figure this out. I'm also trying to talk now with the Bible out of my hand. Uh, So this is uh, all a little bit new for me. But I do appreciate uh, everybody that has come, and I know some people are watching online at home, and that's all good it's just good to be together and sing a little bit. We're starting a new series today called Relate. And so the whole idea of it is we're going to look at what it looks like and for us to love one another, to love deeply, and how loving each other will make it a very strong community. So when when Jesus saves us, the Bible tells us that we become children of God, that we are brought into the household of faith. Jesus brings us into a family with all our backgrounds, our differences, our our preferences, our different cultures, the way we've been raised, all those things. He brings us all together. We're not all the same. I've said this before. God is not asking us for sameness, right? He's asking for unity without uniformity. So we need to look at what does it mean for us to be different? Yes, but we have Jesus in common. How, How do we love each other? That's what Jesus wants. He brings us in his family and then he gives us a command. I think it should be coming up. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, we are now to love like Jesus. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Why? By this, all people will know. So the world will know if you belong to Jesus by this, that you Are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another, over and over in that text, you see the word love, 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 love. That's what Jesus wants. The way we expect a restaurant to have good service, the way we expect our gym to be clean, the way the government expects us to pay our taxes, Jesus expects us to love each other. And it's not a suggestion. It's a command. He's not saying do this if you like. He's saying this is what believers, this is what disciples do. They love each other. We do this until he comes. We live a life of love because that's the life that Jesus expects. We live a life of love because that is the life that Jesus expects from us. And so today we're going to take a real deep look at love. And this passage is going to show us that love is vital and that love takes work. But when we dig in, when we invest ourselves, it makes a beautiful community. Now, for us to appreciate these words, we need to understand the kind of church this was written to. This was a church that struggled with love. The Corinthian church struggled with unity. They argued all the time. You're following this leader. I follow this leader. I'm better than you because of that. They were taking each other to court. They had lawsuits out against one another. The rich mistreated the poor, and they prioritized gifts above the heart that it flowed from. So they're a church that needs to hear this, and so do we if we want to avoid the struggles that they had. Paul is going to show them the way of love, the excellent way to take in life. Before we look at it, let me pray. Father, we Thank you for your word, Lord God, and that we get to be together and to open it together. We pray, Lord, that you would speak. Lord, your word is truth. I pray that you would sanctify us in the truth and that you would get glory through the proclamation of your word. And I pray more than anything, Lord, our heart would be in the spot where we want to hear and do. We believe that the Spirit is in us and so we can walk in the things that you are saying. And so I pray that you would help us to listen well and to love well for your glory and the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So First Corinthians 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So Paul says here, you can display powerful spiritual gifts. You can explain the most confusing things. You can make confusing things clear. You can have powerful faith. You can give away all of your possessions. You can give up your life, but if you don't have love, it's all nothing. Over and over, you see that phrase, but have not love, but have not love. He says, he says, if you do this and you don't have love, I am nothing and I gain nothing. What he's showing us is the necessity of love. He's showing the necessity of love in the life of a believer. And you know you're doing something with a heart of love if you're doing it for the glory of God and the good of other people. That's how you know. It's for. It's not just about me. It's about the glory of God and the good of the people around me in my life, in my family, in my church. I'm doing it so God gets praise and so other people grow and benefit. That's what's motivating my action. See, what we have to understand is love gives value and meaning to everything that we do. Love gives value and meaning to all that we do. That's why 1 Corinthians, later on, he says, Let all that you do be done in love. That should have popped up for you. It's going to come, I bet. First Corinthians 16, there it is. Let all that you do be done in love. Praying, done in love. Discipleship, done in love. Singing, done in love. Preaching, done in love. Community involvement, done in love. Supporting the pregnancy care center, done in love. All things must be done in love. Friendship in the church, done in love serving, fellowship, all that done in love. What the passage is telling us is that our heart matters. There's Yogi in the back, our brother's back. Our heart matters just as much as the thing that we're doing. Think about that. Your heart matters. My heart, even now my heart, matters just as much as the thing that we are doing. Love is so important that the Holy Spirit now guides Paul to write a detailed description of love. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Right? What we have now is 15 verbs you're going to see here. When we go all the way to... Verse 8, there's 15 verbs in five verses to describe love. See, love is a present, continuous action. A lo- it's a present, continuous action. Thabiti Anabweli said this, So the Bible holds out love for one another as the absolute most essential thing in Christian relationships and service in the church. When the Bible speaks of love, it's not referring to primarily some inner feeling, but to a gritty, dynamic movement. Love wears work clothes. Vadi Bakum said this, Biblical love is an act of the will, a choice, accompanied by emotion, neither devoid of nor led by emotion and leads to action on behalf of its object. It's active. It's an action. And we've got to be about that action as a church. And so like a boxer that goes on a flurry, Paul now goes on a flurry to describe what love does and does not do. He says love is patient. Now he's not talking about being willing to wait four hours in the Costco COVID line. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being patient with people when they sin against you in the church. He's talking about being patient when people sin against you in the church. That's going to come up later. Just pay attention to me. See, Christians still sin and hurt one another. Son, can you take that down? Christians still sin and hurt one another because we're being sanctified. We're still growing. Old habits die hard. And so we still sin. That is going to happen in this church. It's probably already happened. And when we sin and hurt one another, the response is not to pack your stuff and leave. That's not the right action. The right action is patience. To be patient with one another and work it out. And we can be patient with one another when we remember how patient God has been with us. Think about how patient God is with you right now. Like, I had to think about this this week, the amount that I still sin and hurt people, and, and yet God is still gracious and patient with me when we remember that. We can be patient with other people. Then he says, love is kind. This is a willingness to do anything for someone that makes their life better. A willingness to do anything. A loving person... Pays attention to the needs of the community. A loving person knows who's struggling. They know who's hurting. And then they quietly go about helping them. They don't call attention to themselves. They just quietly, compassionately love. They go about doing that. Kindness takes intentionality. Kindness takes sacrifice. And the person who commits to kindness in the church, what they do is they relieve lots of suffering in people's lives. They, they tell... And show lots of people that someone cares. That someone cares about them. And then he says that love does not envy. Love does not envy. The loving person is content with their life. Because they believe that if God is withholding something from them. And I'm not saying this to be harsh. I'm saying this because I want you to trust God. If God is withholding something from them, it's for a good reason. And I was talking to Kimmy about this this morning. I, I signed on to something, and then I noticed that another church got something. And I'm like, how come they got that and we didn't? And Kim just looked at me and she said, well, do you believe in the sovereignty of God? And I was like, well, yeah, I preach that. And in that moment, I realized I, need to re- I needed to repent from a lack of being content and not being good with where God has us, has our church, right now. Being settled and content that he knows what he's doing, that he's actually being good to us, even in the midst of the struggle. And when we get to that place of contentment, then we don't hate on others, we appreciate. We just we like what's going on in their life. We're happy for them. We're able to celebrate their success. We're able to pray that they would succeed even more. Only when we believe God knows what he's doing with our life, that he's actually good that we can trust him and should trust him at all times and then he says i lost my spot i found my spot love does not boast says that love does not boast this literally means to be a windbag i I googled that because i didn't know what a windbag was it's still not Clear to me? Some pictures came up that I'm like, that's not nice to call that person the windbag. But it just, it just means the person just full of air. Boastful. The loving person does not have to be the center of attention. They're not always self-promoting. They let another person praise them, like the word says, not their own lips. The ber- boastful person is obnoxious. You ever been around a boastful person? They're like a fly in the house. You're just, you're just like, I just want you gone. The boastful person has also lost sight of the fact that they're stealing God's glory. Because everything in our life is from God. The Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive? And, and, and if you did receive it, why do you boast? All things in our life are from God. We have nothing without His glory grace and then he says that love is not rude this verb means to behave shamefully and again in context the people in the corinthian church they were behaving shamefully they were abusing the lord's supper they were eating everything so that when the poor came there was nothing left they were getting drunk on the wine it's shameful behavior see when we're rude we make people feel small when we're rude to one another in the, in the community of faith, we make people feel unimportant, like they're of no value. And that is a wrong heart. Rudeness, what it does is it kills love and it causes strife. It, 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 it robs us of love and brings strife. Someone said this this week, we can't promise love to people outside the church while being rude to people inside the church. You can't say to people, come, be a part of this. Come, join this family. Come, this is a safe spot, while treating people terribly inside. And then it says that love does not insist on its own way. Another translation says love is not self-seeking. Again, the loving person is not just focused on themselves. They're not just thinking about, how does this thing benefit me? That's not their first question. They're thinking, how does it benefit others? They're not selfish. Now, there needs to be a clarification with that, though, because this is important. Not being self-seeking does not mean you don't actually look after yourself. So, just read the Gospels. You'll see that there are times where Jesus, he withdraws from the crowd. Why? To pray, to rest, to spend time with God. See, it's good for us to think about how can we help others and benefit them, but we are not to ignore legitimate needs that we have. So, you don't want to swing way too far the other way. Yes, you want to love and sacrifice for other people while still looking after yourself and being wise. And that says that love is not irritable or resentful. Again, this is the person that, that the loving person is not quick to anger. It's coming again to this idea of patience. They're long suffering with people. They understand that the anger of man does not produce. The righteousness of God. They won't explode like a bomb in anger just because someone does one thing. See, we won't explode in anger when we are quick to listen and slow to speak. And that is true for face-to-face and online. One of the joys of my life, this last little bit, is not having social media. And as I watch social media, I'm like, that's exactly why I don't want it. It's only making me recommit even deeper to the avoidance of it. And I'm not saying it's all bad, and I'm not saying you have to delete yours if you got one. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that the way I see Christians treating each other and behaving, it looks no different. And I think unbelievers just watch and they're like, really? Really? And so we, there's so much anger, there's so much rage. And the way we avoid that is to be quick to listen and slow to speak and write. And it says that love is not resentful. The ESV has a footnote. If you look down at the bottom, it says that love does not count up wrongdoing. That's why some translation says that it keeps no records of Wrong. When we log all the ways that people hurt us, we are taking a train to the station of bitterness, resentment, and hate. That's where you're going. When, we're, when we just keep a track of that, that's, that is what is happening. Now, again, very important clarification. I am not saying that when somebody hurts you that you are to ignore it. I'm also not saying that if somebody does something terrible to you, you shouldn't report it. So please understand me on that. But I am saying, as Christians, we have to get to a spot where we forgive. Where we extend forgiveness. Because we've been forgiven so much. And again, another clarification when it comes to forgiveness. Forgiveness and trust is not the same thing. I've said that before in our church. I can't remember which sermon it was in, but if you go back and listen, you'll find it. But forgiveness and trust is not the same thing. The Bible says that we are to forgive people. The Bible never says, though, that we have to put ourselves in a place where we get hurt again by that person. And again, this is why we have to be so wise with our relationships in the community. Because it can really harm the community. It can really harm relationships when we let sin just slip in. Because trust takes work. And so, yes... You need to forgive the person who hurts you, but it doesn't mean you have to put yourself in a spot where they can do that again. And you need to tell them that. And then that person needs to give you room for, you to, 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 for that trust to come back. And so we got to be extremely wise. Verse 6, back in the text, it says, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Another translation says, love rejoices when it sees other people living according to the truth. That's, a, that's probably the more accurate way to translate that. That we rejoice. See, the Christian loves when another Christian is believing and obeying. They love that. It almost stirs them on to further obedience. And so we rejoice. See, we don't rejoice when people are sinning. Because we know sin destroys lives. Sin hurts people. We rejoice. We rejoice when people are doing what God says. Believing and obeying. This is, should be one of our prayers for one another. Praying for our church. Next week I'm going to talk about praying. That's, the sermon's going to be on that. How do we pray for one another? But here's one of the ways to pray. Pray that we as a church would be doers of the word and not hearers only. That we deeply... Love one another. Verse 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That word there bears, bears all things. It could be, it could be translated, love protects. Love protects. And what it's saying is love, the loving person in the community of faith, protects the reputation of other people. That when somebody does something, they don't expose them. That when somebody does something, they don't look to shame them. They look to help, support, and encourage them so they can overcome the struggle. Love always protects. And Then it says love believes all things. Now, this is not saying that the Christian, the loving person, is gullible. Like if you told them the earth is flat, they'd believe that. It's not saying that. It's saying that the loving person believes the best about other people. They believe the best about the people who are around them. They give people the benefit of the doubt. They trust people's intentions. And again, this is so important for us as a church. You know why? We are going to do things that confuse each other. Some of that's already happened because I've talked to some of you. Did you see what that person did? I'm like, did you talk to that person? We're going to do things that confuse one another. But here's the thing. Believe the best. Talk to the person. Ask a question. And walk into the relationship and get clarification. So many times, people from a distance, and I'm not saying we're all guilty of this, I'm just saying what I've seen, that people from a distance, they draw a conclusion. That person posted that, therefore they're this. That, That can't be a fair statement to even make. Because we are not just one statement. We are not just one post. We're not just one moment of a mistake face-to-face. We're more than that. And so we have to talk to one another. We have to actually dig into the relationship and find out what is really going on. And sometimes you'll find you agree with the person more than you actually realize. And then what happens? Love, unity, friendship people walking together people who can be shoulder to shoulder against we, the things that we should be against together we believe the best believes all things then it says hopes all things this means that we hope the best for each other when we see each, the person struggling when we see one another we just we want the best thing to happen in each other's Lives. Then this means that we don't give up on each other. That's why the text says that it endures. Love endures all things. This means that we push through the struggles that come in relationships. Life in church is an uphill climb because it's full of people who are broken. It's full of people who are sinful. It's full of people who are saints who still hurt one another. And so it's an uphill climb. Relationships can be hard, but if we commit to love, it will be a beautiful community. If we commit to love, we will be living the life that Jesus expects. See, Jesus expects us to live this life, but Jesus also gives us the power to do it. He gives us a command, but then he also gives the power. 1 John. 1 John 4. I know it off the top of my head. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. When you're struggling to love, when you're finding it hard to love a person, remember Jesus, who lived a life of love. Look at this on the screen. Jesus, in this life of love, he was patient and kind to his disciples. I'm not going to read all the verses. You can go look at them. He was patient and kind to his disciples. Jesus was not arrogant or rude, but he was a humble servant who says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and what? Give his life as a ransom for many. He sacrificed himself. Jesus loved and persevered with his disciples to the end. If you read John 13, he is washing the feet of Judas. Persevere, does not give up to the end. Jesus didn't insist on his own way. Instead, he willingly died in our place. He said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Because he wanted to rescue us. He wanted to open the door of salvation to the person who needs it. Jesus kept no record of wrong. Instead, he forgave the people who mocked him and nailed him to the cross. They're killing him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's forgiving, loving. When we remember the love of Jesus, we can love each other we can live the life that Jesus expects. Mark Dever said, the gospel gives us a personal relationship with God, but according to scripture, that relationship with God includes meaningful relationship with his people. When we come to Christ, he, he uh, folds us into a family. I like this. A family with actual flesh, and blood, step on your toes, people. We are going to step on some toes. Trust me on that. That's going to happen. When we receive God's mercy, we become a part of a people. When we receive God's grace, we're included into a covenant community. It keeps going. Reconcile to God. Reconcile to His people. What truly displays the gospel is when we commit to love and care for a group of people that includes folks Utterly unlike us. Again, we're not all the same. Utterly unlike us. We display the gospel when we gather each week to serve people who sometimes share only uh, one thing in common with us, Jesus. That's, sometimes, that's all we have. Sometimes I look at the... When I was on staff here at Hope Mississauga, I look around, I'm like, I don't share anything in common with these people. I want to go home and watch football. They want to go home and read. There's like nothing in common. So... Completely different background. I grew up in government housing. They grew up in like a a sort of a healthy, more stable looking thing. But we have Jesus in common and we are good friends, brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ serving and working together. Where did it go? It wasn't done. When we show we are reconciled in Christ, when we commit to love those people in that place, no matter their faults and foibles, faults and foibles that they may have. A commitment to love one another. When we love each other, we display the gospel. When we love each other, we tell the world that we belong to Jesus. We tell the world that what Jesus has done is real. Because the world looks and they, says, they say, what makes those people get together? What makes those people commit to each other? What makes those people walk together together? In Christ, What gives them this unity? The answer is Jesus Christ. We live a life of love because that's the life that Jesus expects. And we can do it when we're motivated by the gospel and when we are dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in these ways. Jesus says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another if you have love that's the key this commitment to loving each other no matter what comes because we know that it's not an accident that we are together and we are and jesus wants us to love one another and represent him well to the world let's pray father we thank you lord god for your word to us and god it's not an easy word Lord, but it is a good word, a word that our heart and soul needs. I needed it, Lord. I confess to even just today being challenged by you to be kind when something came up that just felt inconvenient. And you just, you just, you convicted me of the unwillingness to be kind to another brother and sister in Christ. Lord, help us, I pray, to believe that love will truly be beautiful to the watching world and beautiful to one another if we commit to live in these ways. Thank you for 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Lord, that you know that it's a word that we would need. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the strength and the willingness to walk in the truth of your word by the power of your Spirit, all for your glory and the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for bringing us Together in this community of faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.